All right, how we doing? Good to see you. Welcome. Welcome to 2018. I am pastorally obligated to tell you this will be the best sermon you've heard all year. You have to say, you only get one shot a year to say it. It's also going to be the worst one you've heard all year. And so there's that as well. I know some of you are thinking, are you sick again? No, it didn't go away from the last time. Uh, And so I am open and willing to try any drugs any of you have on you tonight, whether or not they've been approved by the Canadian Medical Society or whatever it is. So we can talk after service, but just disregard the grossness you may have to endure as I preach, Uh, judging from all the coughing I'm hearing in uh, the crowd tonight. I'm not alone. How many of you are cursing colds with me? That's good. Welcome. Misery loves company. It's good. Have you ever wondered, what's the point? Just about anything. Like, what's the point? I, I often think this, but with meaningless, useless things. Uh, like dishes. Have you ever done the dishes and been like, what was the point? Because they just show back up in the sink again. They show back up on the cupboard again. I like a clean kitchen. I like bare counters and I like empty sinks. But I don't know what it looks like. Because as soon as it happens, stuff ends up back on the counter again. It's like you fill the dishwasher and you hit the button... And that button acts as like a warning siren to children. Only, only kids can hear it. It's like dog whistles. Only kids can hear it. And they're like, oh, the counters are all clean. We have to go get 12 drinks out of 12 different cups right now. And they rush into the kitchen. And it's done. And it's over. You're clean. It's useless. What's the point? I kid you not. This is a true story. And I don't know what it says about me. There have been times when I have done the dishes. And I was thirsty. And I used a paper cup and threw it away. So that I could maintain cleanliness for a few more minutes. That is not, I don't know if I should be proud of that or not. That probably says something not great about me. They get dirty and you clean, they get dirty again. What's the point? It's this cyclical, frustrating cycle that never seems to reach a conclusion. You could say the same thing about a lot of things. Laundry, good grief. We have six people in our house, four of them are kids, and kids wear 14 different things a day, and they throw them all in the laundry, whether or not they're clean or dirty. And, um, when they built our house, for whatever reason, they put all of the laundry stuff in our bathroom. So that's where all the dirty clothes end up. And there's a lot of dirty clothes. And there are days I have to like climb over a mountain of clothing to use my own toilet in my own house. But unlike dishes, laundry doesn't end. Laund- you never get caught up, even for a moment, with laundry. At least we don't. I don't even think there's been a time in our household, at least since we've had kids, where every piece of clothing was clean at the same time. Which I'm not even sure we have enough storage for that to happen. So you could say that we're only ever halfway through laundry because it's been a really good furniture strategy for us. We don't need another dresser. You just don't ever get caught up on your laundry, and it's a really good solution. The thing about laundry I dislike is not putting it in the washer or the dryer. I dislike taking it out and having to fold it and put it away. All right, misery loves company. Perfect. And and that's the thing. I'll I'll find... (coughs) Excuse me. I'll take it out of the dryer... And I won't have time, right? Who has time? And so it goes on my bed. And then I'll work and do all the things you need to do over the course of the day, and then I'll go into my bedroom at night, and I'm like, oh, right, this. Well, now I'm too tired, and rest is biblical, and laundry is not, and so it's Jesus' fault my clothes aren't folded. (laughs) And so I'll just go put it in a pile of clean clothes, and I'll get to it tomorrow, except tomorrow one or two more loads has come out of the dryer. And you find yourself in this thing where you're like, what's the point? I gave up on a lot of things. I don't put socks away. Socks are in a large bin. I pick two every day. I'm also not joking about that. Very particular about my kitchen, not my socks. 
just seems like it never ends. What's the point? They get dirty, you put them back in, they get dirty, never seem to reach a conclusion. Do you ever think that a lot of things that we do in life are meaningless and pointless? It's perpetual, it's this cyclical thing. Well, that is what we're going to talk about for the next seven weeks, but not about laundry and dishes. We're going to talk about some of the bigger, more challenging, more very real-life questions that we all struggle with, namely, what's the point? What's the point? Why are we here? Why are we doing this? What is it all leading to? What is the end game of all of this? And so we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes for seven weeks because the author asks a lot of those questions when it comes to things like work and pleasure and relationships and money and time. He looks at all of them and just goes, well, what's the point? Where does it get us? What's it all leading to? Is there an end game to all of this? And if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, some of you are thinking, how are you going to preach out of that? Because that is hopeless and depressing. And uh, it, it is a little bit. It's... It's kind of like the black sheep of the Bible. Right? You can understand why most books are in the Bible, even if you don't necessarily... Like Revelation. Most of us don't fully understand it, but we're like, oh, I get why that's in there. Song of Solomon, we're like, okay, don't preach on that, but I get why that's in there. But Ecclesiastes, you're just like, this guy thinks everything is meaningless, but don't worry, his conclusion is that we're going to die. Well, we are. <laughs> that is a true point. So how do you preach out of it for seven weeks? Well, it's not as hopeless as you would think, and the author is widely believed to be Solomon. Verse 1 calls him the teacher, uh, but we believe him to be Solomon. He wrote Proverbs. He wrote Song of Solomon. And uh, this is a guy that is widely known as being one of the most wealthy, one of the most wise people to ever live on the planet. He owned everything. He tried everything. He did everything. He knew everything. And his conclusion after experiencing all of it was that it was meaningless. It was meaningless. That's how he starts the book. This is chapter 1, verse 2. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets and then hires around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles, rivers running into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we're doing now. Isn't this great? Aren't you glad you came to church today? Happy New Year, praise the Lord, everything's meaningless. That's a lovely Instagram post that someone should make later. Nice picture of the stars, cute little font, everything's meaningless. And he's laying it all, this is the first chapter. And we've got 11 more of these to get through. And then he's writing, he basically starts with his conclusion, everything is meaningless. He kind of starts with the finish, summarizes it really well in verse 14. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really it's all meaningless, like chasing the wind. Chasing the wind. 
Other translations have this, as, as call it as, it's all smoke. In other words, it's nothing. It's vapor. You can't catch it. You can't store it. It's not worth anything. It's just, it's just smoke. It's wind. And that's really the idea behind the, the, the phrase smoke and mirrors. Uh, smoke and mirrors is a, is a phrase or a device that's used by, say, an illusionist or a magician when they want to try and trick people. And so you think that they're pulling off something magical, but they were just using smoke and mirrors. They'll make a puff of smoke appear and it'll catch your eye, but really while you're looking over there, they're doing something over here or they're doing something behind the smoke and it looks like they pulled something. It's just deception. It's just fraud. It's trickery. And think, wow, they're awesome. Look at what they did. It's smoke and mirrors. Right? And so there's this idea that, you know, there's lots of people in the world chasing smoke. These things that look like, oh, this is going to be your meaning. This is going to be your purpose. This is going to be what satisfies you and fulfills you, whether it's money or power or influence or pleasure or comfort or whatever it is, but it's all trickery. It's all trickery. You're going to go for it. You're going to experience all of it, and you will conclude what Solomon does at the end of his life. It was, it was all smoke. I didn't leave me with anything. I didn't experience anything that was lasting or sustainable. And, and what happens is people get caught up in this constant game of, well, I'm almost there, if only. And maybe you've played this, you've heard people play this. Well, if only, if only I had a little bit more money, <coughs> I'd be less stressed, right? If only I had a better job. If only I had more friends. If only I had less drama. If only I got into a bigger house. If only we got a different car. If I could just get married and settle down. If I could just get rid of my wife and my kids. If I could just finish school. If I could just get to retirement. Right, whatever it is, no matter what you have, you're always thinking whatever the other thing is. And what happens is that people create this perfect existence somewhere out there and they finally attain it and they reach it and they experience it and they're still left going, okay, that didn't do it. I still feel as empty as I did before. I'm not <coughs> entirely content as I wanted to be. And Solomon says, it's because it was all meaningless. The sun rises and the sun sets and the sun rises and the sun sets and you're going to do it all over again tomorrow just like dishes and laundry and it's not going to end with anything. And it's circular. You'll hear people acknowledge it. They'll say things like, I'm stuck in a rut. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I feel like I'm caught in a rat race, meaning I'm just going around and there's no conclusion to it whatsoever. It's a new year. We all made new resolutions. We're going to get to December 2018 and be like, what a train wreck this year was. Next year is going to be totally different. You'll get to the end of 2019 and be like, whoo, what a train wreck that year was. I'm going to try it all over again. Now, how many things do we do that we just keep end up doing all over again? You get a haircut, you're going to need another one. You mow the lawn, you're going to have to do it again. You shovel snow, another storm is coming. Good grief. You get all caught up on your bills and they send more to you. It's infuriating. It's exhausting, and you wonder, what's the point? Where is this leading me? Where is this taking me? Why are we doing this? And Solomon's like, listen, I did all of it. I know. It's meaningless. No, it sounds sad and depressing, but these are things that we've all wrestled with. These are things that we've all thought, things we've all wondered. I mean, this is what philosophers would say. You're comp contemplating your own mortality. You're thinking about your own life, your own purpose, 
your own destiny, whatever the word is that we use now. The bottom line is that we're here for a while and then we're not. All right, it's so weird. Have you ever stopped and think, like, thousands of years have happened before you. Millions of people lived. They were average, ordinary people who did not make a dent in the world. <coughs> Sorry. One day they died, and they got buried in a field, and we never knew their name. And there's a good chance it could happen for thousands more years. So what's the point? What's the end game? What's it all for? I just had to have a really good big one there. So Solomon gets frustrated with all of this, and he thinks, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I'm going to find out now I've started, and I won't finish. It's all right. This is all meaningless anyway. Just pray and go home. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters. <laughs> if we ended the sermon right here, that would be so sad. It's <laughs> the most depressing introduction to a sermon you have ever heard. <laughs> Solomon tries to figure it out. He says, I'm going to get super wise. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And are you bringing me fantastic drugs? <laughs> it's like taking drugs from a stranger. Except I know you, but thanks. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12. He says, So I decided to compare wisdom with foolishness and madness, for who can do this better than I, the king? I thought wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. For the wise can see where they're going, but fools walk in the dark. And yet I saw that the wise and the foolish share the same fate. Both will die. So I said to myself, since I will end up as the same as the fool, what's the value of all my wisdom? This is so meaningless. For the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. And in the days to come, both will be forgotten. How many of you want to invite him over and have a party? <laughs> right, invite him over for a nice warm meal. Give him a hug. Strong medication or something. I don't know. But the one thing that we have in common, every single person in this room, is that our time here is temporary. And that's what he was getting at. It doesn't matter if you're wise or foolish. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're powerful and influential or neither of those things. At the end of the day, our end game is all the same. <clears throat> and he's just trying to give us a heads up, like a nice guy, and say, I did all of it. I accomplished all of it, and I want to tell you what I experienced at the end of the day. None of it mattered. None of it fulfilled me. None of it sustained me. And he's basically saying, throughout this entire book, I'm richer than you, and I'm smarter than you. I've done more things than you. I've been with more people than you. And at the end of the day, none of it matters. Rich, poor, I did both of them. They were both useless. All right, that's what we do. We look at the people who have the opposite of us, and we think, well, if I just had that. Like the poor people look at wealthy people, and they're like, if I had what they had, I'd be happy. And wealthy people look at people who are living a simple life and think, if I could just have that, I'd be happy. Someone's like, try them both, both useless. <clears throat> no, this is where things turn around. This, I promise, it gets better. If it didn't turn around, 
Uh, it would be a pretty depressing sermon. <coughs> be a pretty depressing book in the Bible. It'd be a sad moral philosophy that we know as nihilism, which basically is just the idea that nothing matters. We get it from the Latin word nihil, which means nothing. And there are people who live with this moral philosophy. Doesn't matter, what's the point? It's all useless. That's not Solomon. And that's not how he concludes. It's not where we end up. That's not why this is in the Bible. Remember that Ecclesiastes is also written before Jesus. This is written Old Testament. This is Old Covenant. And he did not understand the hope that was going to come through Jesus. They had promises for Jesus. They had prophecies of Jesus. But they did not yet have Jesus. And so he holds on to the hope that God is still good, still has a plan, that, that a Savior is coming who is going to fix all of this. But in the meantime, this is what he is teaching us. So we're going to go to the very end of the book and spoil everything. How many of you have ever done that with a movie or a book? I was reading a book over Christmas. It was so dumb. And I'm one of those guys that has to finish a book. And all these like leadership books you read, they're like, just finish a bad, don't finish a bad book. Just quit. Save yourself the time. I can't do it. And I got to the end of this awful book yesterday, and I was like, what a waste of time that was. Could have skipped ahead and saved myself. The, man, we're going to do that with Ecclesiastes. It's still a great book. This is how he concludes. This is chapter 12, verse 1. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. In other words, don't get all caught up in all the fun things of the world and forget about God. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble. He really had a way with words. And before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. <coughs> you see the point, though, what he keeps saying is, <clears throat> remember. Remember God. Remember your creator. In the midst of all the pursuits you've got in life, in the midst of all the pleasure you're seeking, all the purpose, all the power, all the wealth, all the comfort, all the things you're trying to set up in your life. He says, what can happen is you pursue all of those things, and in doing so, you forget God. You forget what really matters. You get stuck in this rat race. You get stuck in this ongoing cyclical thing where you're trying to find hope and meaning and purpose and all these other things. And he says, when we do that, we forget God. We, are the, we forget the creator. And verse 4 goes on and starts with remember him. Verse 5 starts with remember him. Verse 6 starts with remember him. It's like he's saying we have a tendency to forget God as we continue to pursue life and all the things we're after and all the joy that we're looking for and all the purpose we're trying to set up. God is the one who gives it meaning. He is the one who gives us purpose. He is the one who gives us hope. And the problem with chasing all these things is that we think they'll be the answer for us. That's what so many people in the world do. They think, well, if I could just get more pleasure, I'd be happy. If I got more money, that would solve my problems. If I was just healthy, I could finally have some peace and quiet. If I could just, whatever the thing is. What Solomon is telling us is, no, listen, listen, I did all of that. And it didn't end anywhere for me. It wasn't good. 
See, we, we end up making idols of those things and we want them to be God for us. We want them to provide for us in our life what only God is able to provide. We want them to give us peace and satisfaction and meaning and purpose, and they can't. They don't. They might temporarily. They might for a little while, but they don't have the ability to sustain us in life. Only God can fulfill that role in your life. He goes on to say this, chapter 2, verse 24. He says, so I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and find satisfaction and work. We're like, who are, what? Is this the same guy who wrote the book? <clears throat> because then he says, then I realize that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? So what he's saying is all these things we chase after aren't bad. Drinking and eating and being happy and doing our work and hanging out with friends and enjoying life. This, all of it's great when you understand that it comes from God. When you understand that it is for us, from him, but framed in that kind of way where God is, is in the center of all of it, the one who is the purpose in all of it, and all of those things are enjoyable when they don't need to become God in our life. They are from him, but they will never replace him. They are gifts from him, but they can never do for us what he can do for us. And when you try to make them God, they're meaningless. When you try and make them something more than they are, then it's useless. And they will just continue to leave you cold and empty and not answering any of the questions that you have. If you try and find meaning and purpose in anything in this world that is not God, it is smoke and mirrors. And it's lying to you, it's deceiving you, it's telling you, no, no, you can find it in this and that and the other thing. You can't and you won't. Purpose and meaning and hope is found in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And maybe there's someone here today thinking, I don't know, I'm making a lot of money, I'm doing a lot of party and I seem to be enjoying it. It won't last. Amen. It won't sustain you. It will not serve as a solid foundation when you go through a crisis. Only Jesus Christ can do that for you. Solomon wraps it up, chapter 12, verse 13. He says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. His final conclusion is don't forget about God. He needs to be at the center he needs to be your point, your focus. Because all these things, don't forget about God because someday you will stand before him at the end of your life and you will have to say, here's what I did. Here's how I lived. And you will be judged on it. And so what he's telling us is that without God, life is meaningless. But with God, everything you actually do matters a lot. Everything you do matters incredibly. Everything is meaningful when the framework is God. So much so that you will have to give an account for it. So don't, don't wake up tomorrow and think, what's, what's the use? Going to work on Monday, it's useless. Everything's meaningless. It's not meaningless. You'll have to give an account to it to him. It's meaningless if you expect it to be him. Ecclesiastes is in the Bible so that nothing will be in our hearts but Jesus. 
It's a reminder that nothing will fulfill, nothing will sustain, nothing will give us the joy than what Christ can give for us. Everything we do is quite meaningful. So Solomon's saying it's only meaningless if you miss the point. And what we would need is someone to break into the monotony of our lives and say, here's a reason to live. Here's, here's a purpose that I give you. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. This is John 10.10. 10. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In other words, before Jesus, you were alive, you were breathing, you were existing, but you weren't really living. You were stuck in the cycle. You were stuck at doing the same things, hoping for a different result. You were stuck in this empty kind of like, oh, what's the point? Where am I going with all of this? Go to work and pay the bills so you can do it again next month. And Jesus says, I came to give you the satisfaction you needed. I came to give you a rich, full, abundant, satisfying life. Not just later. He's not just talking about heaven. Sometimes Christians think that. <clears throat> he means in the here and now. I gave you to give purpose and life and joy today and tomorrow and the next day until that day comes that you breathe your last. It's the thief who steals, kills, and destroys. It's the thief that throws out all the smoke and mirrors that says, try this, do that, this will fulfill you, this will make you happy. And at the end of the day, none of them will. And you'll discover that you've been chasing after the wind. It might work for a while, might numb your pain for a little bit, but it won't answer your deepest questions. With Christ, all of our circular living now has a conclusion. My life is not meaningless today, and it won't be meaningless tomorrow. And when it's all said and done, I don't even have to die because I've got a greater eternity with him. That's the promise we have in Jesus. You can step off the treadmill and find purpose and hope rather than just working hard and getting nowhere. Jesus goes so far to even rescue us from death. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus essentially says, you're going to die, but don't worry, you won't. <laughs> you're going to die one of these days, you will breathe your last, but don't worry, it won't be over. If you placed your hope and your trust in me. And you'll be judged, Solomon says. But instead of God seeing a huge pile of all the sins you committed, all the lies, all the jealousy, all the gossip, all the greed, all the brokenness, all the lust, all the mistakes, all the words, all the actions, instead he will see a completely blank slate that's been forgiven by Jesus Christ. And he will look at you and he will say, well done. That is the life that Jesus gives for now and for later. Purpose and hope now and in eternity. So one of these two things is going to happen in your life, church, 100%. Either Jesus is going to come back while you're still here and get rid of all this nonsense, or there will be a day that comes that will be your last. 100% guarantee. It's going to happen to every single person in this room. Will you have found what you're looking for? It's in Jesus Christ. It's not in any other thing. And you can chase after those things for as long as you live. Ecclesiastes is a warning. I've been there. I've done that. Don't do it. It's meaningless. Don't forget about God. 
don't forget about your creator. And I need you to know, we don't just say this. I don't just say this because it's my job. We don't just preach this because that's what people expect us to do because I'm a pastor, whatever. My life doesn't make sense without Jesus. That, that's not, Mark found that in the Bible somewhere. That's Mark's personal experience. My life doesn't make sense without Jesus. I've tried for it to. It doesn't work. And just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I've not had my own dark night of the soul on many different occasions. It doesn't mean I've not struggled to find my own purpose and meaning. Nothing works, only Jesus. Solomon has said the same thing. I know there are people in this room who could tell you the exact same thing. Without Christ, none of it makes sense. Without Christ as the framework, none of it matters. It is all meaningless. But with Christ, it all matters a lot. And it is my prayer and my deepest hope this year that you would be able to experience the same thing. So I'm going to pray. The band is going to sing a final song and we're going to baptize some people and it's going to be awesome. But I want to give you guys the chance to choose to live for Jesus today. He may be the thing that you have been missing. He may be the thing, well, he not maybe he is the thing that you need. And we want to give you a chance to follow him and acknowledge that. It's a simple prayer. You just simply say yes to Jesus. I want what you have. I know it's the only thing that will fulfill my soul. And I can lead you through that prayer. Uh, but I just want to ask right now if there's anyone in this room who would say, that's me. I know it's kind of bold. I know there's people here you don't know, people looking around and whatever the thing is. But we're all here. We all wrestle with it. We all contemplate our own mortality. We all wonder where we're going. We all wonder what the point is. And there are so many people in this room who would be able to say, my life doesn't make sense without Jesus. And so if you're here today and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, invite him into your life and get a brand new start, I'm just going to ask that you would raise your hand so we can know who we're praying for. Amen. Anyone else who would say, I need Jesus. I need to know that there's a point to all this cyclical living. Amen. Let me pray for us today. Jesus Christ, you are so good and we love you and we're so grateful for all you've done for us. We are so grateful for the purpose and the meaning and the hope and the joy that you give us. And we understand that it's only found in you and you alone. And so God, I pray for the people that raised their hands and anyone here that didn't raise their hands that understand that they need you. God, I pray that they would just simply repeat this prayer and say, Jesus Christ, I invite you into my life. Forgive me of all the things I've done and give me a clean start and help me to walk with you and to know you, to find a purpose and a hope and a joy that is in you and in you alone. And help me in these coming days as I follow you. Amen. Amen. He's good, isn't he? He's good. Well, thank you for enduring that <laughs> sermon. And um, we're just so excited about what God is doing in the lives of the people here at the church. And I know that you have been praying for people and God has been moving and it's exciting. This weekend, we're going to celebrate five different baptisms. And uh, tonight, you're going to see two of those. And uh, so I want to invite you uh, to worship as we sing this last song and then help us celebrate the greatest decision that you can make to follow Jesus.
And baptism is simply a public way of saying, I did that and it's meant everything to me. And so we get to do that today and it is a party that we get to be a part of. Amen? Amen.